Welcome to the Shoot in the Cube podcast, the podcast that's hotter than your competition cooker and your first wife. We'll be talking barbecue and more with one of the top pitmasters in the game. Get ready for juicy tips, saucy tricks, and sizzling stories that'll leave you hungry for more. Let's start shooting the cube. Here's your host, Heath Riles. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Shooting the Cube. Today, we're joined by my lovely wife, Candace. How are you doing today, hon? I'm good. So today, we're going to recap a little bit and talk about our season one launch of our podcast and, and kind of talk about some of our guests and, and different things. And Lord, I can say I, I learned a lot this season. What about you? Oh, for sure. I've never... You've been on podcasts before and all of that. I haven't, so did, definitely. Still learning. Still learning? Yeah. Yeah, well, maybe we can get through our minor equipment malfunctions and mishaps and overheating equipment and and cords damaged and, and cameras knocked over and lighting right. And, uh, you know, we've gotten several comments back, but, hell, we're new at this. We don't know what we're doing. We're just uh, – happens you know nobody's perfect they told me you know when i was growing up you got to fake it till you make it who is they i always want to know who is they <laughs> i mean i don't know it's just what i heard that's just what i heard i don't that's know what I heard. Uh, you know and so i i feel like i'm probably doing a decent job at it yeah i mean since the since the first podcast we've kind of gotten some different equipment trying to make it better trying to get angles better I mean, well, maybe when improvement we, as time goes on. Oh, look, I jinxed myself. I heard my headphones go, <laughs> start doing it again. But it'll be all right. It'll be all right. I can live with it. So, you know, one of our very first guests we had on was our good friend, Mitchell Bedwell. I call Mitchell Barry. Well, he doesn't like it, but I, I, I call him Barry is his name. That is his proper name, you know. Mitchell's been a good friend of ours, like we said in the first podcast, since we met him in Virginia. I wasn't on that podcast, actually. You fil- you and him filmed it without me. I think I was busy that day. but I think you were. I think you were maybe at home with a baby or who knows? busy with Spring Fest or something. There's no telling. But, uh, yeah, the first time I remember meeting Mitchell was in Virginia. He was cooking with Tommy Houston. You may have met him before that, but that's the first time I remember meeting him, and that was probably... Uh, it was before 2018. That's all I know. I don't know what year it was exactly. I'd say it was probably 16, 17, somewhere around probably, there. Probably 16, yeah. When we were probably with a, cooking with a different team at that point. Yeah, we were up there. I think it was. Um, but that was the first time I remember meeting Mitchell. Well, and then we had Henry Evans in who talked about yeah. the history and kind of birth of the Memphis Barbecue Network, which was great. I mean, for me, I didn't even know everything he filled us in on about the Memphis Barbecue Network, I mean, which was kind of really cool. And for people that didn't hear that episode, I mean, I really feel like they have to go back and and sit down and listen to it if they're going to cook the Memphis Barbecue Network and kind of know the ins and outs. I feel like there a lot of people have questions about the MBN, Memphis Barbecue Network. Um, I feel like we both tried to ask questions that we might have known the answers to, but that other people that haven't ever cooked in that sanctioning body didn't know the answers to. And, there is a lot of history because even, you know, since we've been cooking, and it has changed. It used to be one way, and now it's totally different than the way it used to be. So, Well, being like Memphis and May, they knew they had to change something, especially, you know, before COVID. You know, meat prices had gotten so high, and 
everything else and people trying to cook eight and nine shoulders and 16 racks of ribs is what we used to cook all the time and now you can cook six yeah. racks of ribs or just a couple of pork butts and be fine and uh, from a cost saving factor it's great and, and uh, I, I think it kind of rebirthed them because their team count did come back up good and uh, and then they're growing which is great I think they've gotten some new events some new I know it's got me wanting to go cook a rib at a couple of them honestly I'm, I don't care about going out and full-blown cooking a 35 contest a year anymore but Maybe, you know, I do got an itch to light a couple fires out there on the circuit. I may need a little practice. I'm getting a little out of shape, you know. It's what I hear on the Internet, you know. So I need oh, to get Lord. back out there. Yeah. You know, swing the old Everything you again. read on the internet's true, you know. Well, you know, there's a lot of them keyboard cooks out there. I, I might need to go back out there and throw around a few bags of roll-up charcoal one more time. Light the old pit. Well, after Henry, we had kind of a recap on South Haven Spring Fest, which is one of our local contests here in our backyard. Um, it's dual. It's MBN and KCBS. Which I did not, for the very first time in a long time, cook both sanctioning bodies and cook every category. You know, usually I do that, and for the last couple of years, I've kind of took a little bit of a break and just That's cooked a the rib before Memphis. And, and honestly, it's, it's, it's become so much that, that just cooking a rib, even trying to get people in studio and talking about that, I hate to jump to it, but, you know, we had Shane and Lacey McClare down and... LeClaire. LeClaire, I mean. I don't know why I said Mick. So they they came in to cook under their team name for South Haven Spring Fest, and, you know, Shane is one of our sponsored teams. Um, they live in Texas, and... Just that was kind of the first time we met them in person was at South Haven Spring Fest. They came and cooked on their own and just great people kind of stemmed from there, inviting them to come cook at Memphis and May with us and and they they did. <laughs> um so that well, was you know, that when was, you hit it off with somebody, you know, um and now he's a permanent fixture. Now he's gotta they gotta be back at Memphis and May next year. So true. It's not a, true. I feel like they'll probably be back at South Haven whether they drive up to cook it or just to come hang out with us for the I'm sure the they'll cook it themselves. They're uh, cooking a lot of contests. I see they're gone somewhere almost every weekend. That's what um, I invited them to something here local again. Like I said, they live in Texas, so it's kind of far away for them. But Shane said something about how they've been on the road every single weekend, and Lacey was starting to get a little irritated. And I was like, oh, I've been there, done that. And I, I get it. Yeah, he probably it. ain't hit it hard as me, though, yet. I mean, I don't know, but. I know where I know where she's at. <laughs> I can remember when I done thirteen in a row. Did, did, done. <laughs> it's over. I can tell you that. I ain't doing it, was, it again. No, that was a lot. I don't. I don't know how we did that. Well, to talk about South Haven, I think what we, uh, where did we end up coming in at South Haven? Does it matter? I don't even <laughs> this remember point, now. Nothing good. Year. Nothing worth talking about. Uh, I guess. Did we come in the top ten at South Haven? No. No, we, did we didn't, not. did we? No. No. And then we went to Memphis May, and, of course, we finished with a top ten. You know, yeah. I was trying to tweak my recipe a little bit at South Haven and, and honestly misfigured my time and did get my ribs on to an hour later. I don't know what I was thinking, you know, when I did that. Uh, that was all you. Back when I was cooking ribs, I, I didn't have that problem. We didn't. We didn't have that mix up when I was in charge of the ribs. But I always got up and lit the pit for you beforehand and had it going, so I don't. Well, I mean, 
I cooked without you before too, so I wouldn't say you were the the factor in there. But that's right. I you did, taught man. me, but that's right. That's right. Well, then we had M and W in the house, Brian and Brian. Yeah, which is great friends and talked about their brand and and you know they have some fantastic products here locally and they're just some great guys. We deal with Brian in the freight business. Um, you know, when Brian Wynn. Brian Wynn and uh, Brian Cox. Brian's also in the logistics side. True. Uh, but he does a uh, small parcel and stuff here, yeah. you know, in town. So, I mean, we, we had them and then we were actually, we were neighbors at Memphis and May. So we got to spend a lot of time with them there, um, right next door to each other. That was fun. They had a very big booth. And, they uh, did have a big booth. Yeah. Real big. Year, we, you know, I'm going to have to have a booth that size. Why? Why not? Because then you feel like you got to have that many people in there to fill it. No. You know I would never do anything like that. We've been there, done that, moved on. I got a couple T-shirts. A couple more wouldn't hurt nobody. Mm. Well, moving on, talking about our next guest, we had Carrie Chastain on. We did. Which is a good friend of mine, Hold Your Horses Barbecue out of Georgia. And, you know, Carrie's been on the tear. He's been cooking every weekend somewhere after he retired fully and and uh, he's been doing very well on the circuit, getting some really good calls. Uh, and I'm sure he's been spending some quality time at the table at the casino from time to time, if I true, had to guess. True. You know, in between. And bush hogging the other times, if I had to bet. Um, you know, and then the next guest we had on was Brandon mm-hmm. O'Gwen. And so... That was an interesting one. A lot of questions about Memphis and May specifically answered. Yeah, I can say I was honestly the information that Brandon fed us, you know, on the podcast was kind of incredible because I've never heard everybody. We got a chance to ask some questions about the scoring and how they really eliminated processes and, and made sure and checked everything over and over again. And, and as a cook, it kind of honestly give me the security I needed to go to Memphis in May. And I don't mean that in a bad way upon anybody, but you've always wondered how things were kind of done down there and double checked. And, and Brandon even told us before they kind of had some things in place. that was kind of, I'm not going to say iffy, but they didn't want to have questions from anybody. So they changed some of their procedures and it worked out. And I, I can tell you, they've done a Brandon show both does a great job organizing that whole, you know, fiasco, yeah. especially during the uh, park this year that, they were yeah. given such limited, uh, yeah. I'm going to say they got thrown the restrictions in the thing and the same way with Kevin and uh, Floyd and everybody else. I'm sure it was a logistical nightmare down there. So do you think it's going to be back there? You know. Just in your opinion, no, no. You know. I don't, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Either. And the only reason I say that, you know, parts of the park was really muddy and messed up and rutted up. And in some parts, wasn't. But it wasn't, like, intentional. It was just, I mean, you know, anybody that's in barbecue, you got big trailers and big cookers and heavy equipment. And, I mean, it's just going to happen. Well, Not like anybody did it on purpose. Well, and me, you know, I used to do dirt work. And and after you do dirt work and then you go in a park two months later, a month and a half later to really load in that, you're talking about big trailers like that, the weight of them. Yeah, it's going to mar things up and all that. The ground hadn't had time to settle yeah. properly. Well, also, I don't think that, that whoever engineered that thing had really been to the barbecue fest and really thought it through because some of those pathways are very narrow. I think it may have could have been laid out a little bit better. 
if they were going to keep using it as an event space for Memphis in May. But, you know, Memphis in May has kind of got to work with whatever they're thrown with. They're just trying to hold an event downtown. They don't have anything to do with the park. Their hands right. are tied. It makes them look bad. Uh, but it's not Memphis in May. You know what yeah, I mean? It's no. the Memphis River Parks Commission. I, that I mean, handles all I, that. I hope it's still down there. It just, I just coming from times when it hasn't been down there, I know logistically it, it may be a great. plus when it's not down there. But it's just, I feel like that's the whole feel. I will say this year, though, even though it was a more cramped park, logistics, the way they done the load-ins this year, and you only had certain times to load in, did seem to work out better. There weren't too many times we weren't able to get in. Yeah. When they said we could get in, I don't think I waited around, but maybe one time I had to wait on somebody to move. But I remember that. But other than that, I mean, it was great. They done a great job of keeping the aisles clean and keeping them flowing and making sure people dropped off and got out of the way. Because that was the thing before. People just parked in front of their booth and just let it sit there for hours. That's true. And didn't you know. care if you were waiting to get by. Uh, yeah. Some did, some didn't. Some yeah. Well, and then our next guest after Brandon was, of course, Will Hare. And I know you weren't on that podcast. And, and Will cooks with Smoke Masters, and he went down to the river this year. And I don't think he uh, – he wasn't in the top ten this year, unfortunately. I don't uh, remember, to I don't be think honest. So. Sure. Uh, but I know he cooked a great hog. You know, he's another one of our sponsored teams locally here. And even before we sponsored Will, he was doing great on the circuit. And he's a hell of a cook. And he's really uh, come a long way, in my opinion. I've seen him over the years. And, and he's won out and he's tried to, you know, cook KCBS and wasn't scared of challenges. And I got to take my hat off to him. He ain't scared to go against it. So uh, I expect to see Will keeping out there cooking and doing good on the NBN side. Yeah. You know, and then. Going right after that, we had uh, John David and John Dalton Wheeler in here to talk about Memphis in May, and we kind of talked about our Memphis in May where we wound up ninth place overall. Uh, but it was just incredible to see John David win it with a rib. Yeah. You know. Hasn't been done in 21 years. Yeah. So it was – knowing how bad I wanted to achieve it myself personally, but – John David, the way he has uh, give to the community, not only with OBR, but even before OBR was established, he's always give so much back to barbecue. Yeah, it, I agree. It couldn't have went to a better person to he's, win it. He has always helped anybody who's asked, or whether it's advice or needing, like you said, then borrow a cooker. or And it's not even just barbecue. I mean, he's involved in – in the town of South Haven, you know, stuff with them now. So it, it goes further than just barbecue. Well, and coaching ball and helping kids yeah. and doing fundraisers at every holiday for the softball teams and for the schools. And and I think he kind of, doesn't he head up the whole Westies thing? Um, or do, yeah, he may much. not. I just, I think, I think so. he He's does. He's the main person that does all the Which cooking is, at Westies. I wasn't even thinking about that. And that's, you know, for people that aren't local, that's just basically like a thing they do Christmas Correct. Christmas and, and Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving for for the homeless community around Memphis. So um, I know they go cook and provide meals. I think they provide the five hundred to a thousand meals, maybe more. But yeah, I and can't. he's been. I know he personally. I don't know the total count, but I know as long as I have known him, he's done that every holiday season. So I don't know how many he's done, but I know a lot just at least what i know yeah. and i know it was started way before i knew him so yeah and so he didn't i mean i'm gonna be honest i wouldn't i don't know john dalton 
pretty much cooked the ribs, but, you know, John David sold them, and I'm not taking anything away from Shane or John Dalton or anybody, but John David definitely um, – I've, I've judged him. I get it. Yeah. He's You've a, judged – have you judged him? Yeah, You've I've judged, judged him. John David. Um, and, I, you know, the last time he won Memphis in May in 2008, I believe, is when he won that thing. I don't First know. year with the Hog, we were standing there. Listen to his presentation, I was. And some of his presentation, I'll never forget it to this day. I think I mentioned it on the episode about him telling the judges about I think the, you did. Talk the last two weeks of the hog fed it out with cracked yeah. corn and beer. <laughs> yeah. You know, which is funny. I don't think I was there for that. No, you weren't there for that. We weren't even dating then. But it was just Were you still in high months. school then? Or <laughs> no. were you graduating college? What? I graduated high school in 2004. Thank you. <clears throat> Not yep. 2008. When yeah. did you graduate? Uh, it was in, uh, I was 97, <laughs> you know, mm. so leading into the next guest, we kind of <laughs> talked about Shane already, but Shane came after that. Um, he did. And, and, you know, not knowing Shane from before we picked him as a sponsored team. Yeah. Um, Mitchell helped with that connection, I believe he did. And, uh, Shane was already using our product and cooking with it and all that. And, uh, doing a really really good uh, job and and so we picked him social media and all that kind yeah. of stuff and uh and now becoming friends with him and Lacey is is awesome yeah. he's you know great guy uh and can't wait to uh for him to come back out this way and then the next guy you know Kevin LaRock we had him down for spring fest he said well. it right for the first time ever yeah no I did not <laughs> so we had him down for Spring Fest. Yeah, he came. And he kept, and he was going to be my one of my pit guys at Memphis in May, and he ended up running the pit and mm-hmm. doing all that at South Haven, too. And uh, Once he finally got here. Yeah, once he finally got here. Had a terrible time South getting Haven, here. I forgot about that. He'd end up, uh, all the flight cancellations, and then taking a bus from Dallas. Is that right, Ian? I'm not sure, but we talked about it on the podcast, but I don't yeah. remember exactly. I mean, he had a heck of a time getting here. Then not able to check in his hotel room because they give it away over here. Don't get me started on that. That was yeah. not – I was involved in that. That hotel manager was very rude to me and as a he man. He hung up on me. Like, literally hung up on me on the phone. Oh. He's a – he definitely has a uh, – how do I put it? A, uh, a short man syndrome. Definitely. But uh, the gentleman, unfortunately, no longer works at the Hilton Garden Inn. In Olive Branch. <laughs> In Olive Branch. Uh, <laughs> you know, uh, but it happens, you know. What? And uh, we had nothing to do with it. I think, actually, he got shot by another <laughs> guest. I mean, I'm not joking. When I say that, he got in an argument, and he popped off to the wrong person. And I mean, he hung up on me that day. And they I, shot he him. Was, he was not a nice guy. I mean, it guy. didn't kill him. He, he only got shot like... I mean, I don't wish anything like that on him, but I think yes. it was his leg, but it's, you know, could have been a pinky toe. <laughs> I mean, I don't I don't know. His finger. Wait, middle finger. We're not sure. I don't know, but yeah, he's... Uh, he's, he's uh, I'm sure he's uh, getting some good rest wherever he's at now, recovering well. Hopefully it's not the Hilton Garden. Yeah, but he was not branch. seriously injured. I'm not joking about all that. He was not seriously injured. It was an incident he just happened to be in after everything. I'm not meaning to make fun of that, but anyway. But yeah, so Ke- back to Kevin. So he came in for South Haven. He also came back from FSMA. He brought his girlfriend Megan was with him, so she was here as well. Um, and we, 
don't know. You met Kevin during one of your classes, I guess, a few years ago. I met Kevin for the first time. We traveled up to Michigan and um, went to Bob and Moe's class that they did up there. Just to hang out. Yeah, just to hang out. Um, I love Bob and I love Mo, and I kind of made that executive decision and told you we were going. We did so, the road trip. And, you know, Michigan Barbecue Supplies there, which is Bob's brother. So, um, and that was the first time I had met Kevin when we went up there. Um, All good people. Yeah, for sure. And we went, thankfully, in the summertime. But... <laughs> I hear it can be a brutal winter there. But. You know, it is beautiful up there for somebody who's never been that way to Michigan. It and was. We kind of got that house on the lake, which I know there's, I don't know how many lakes. I forget the yeah. number, but the house we got on, on a lake. I don't remember the name of that lake, but it was it was great. It was. It was very beautiful. Very beautiful. Very cool. And so our next guest was Andrew Arbogast. I wasn't there for that one either, I but I, I have talked to him, met him several times. Well, you know, a lot of people's not going to know who Andrew is. He uh, is local from around here. He's actually um, a veteran who started a business here. When he come back home, he used to be an Apache helicopter pilot. And uh, when he got out of the service and everything, um, he started making his father's cheese dip recipe and giving it to friends and then uh, decided to start manufacturing it. And uh, has done very well with it. And he's got it in Kroger's and some central markets. And, and it's called Arbo's. Arbo's Cheese Dip. You can look it up. They're shipping it nationwide now. And uh, honestly, um, it's going to take off. It's going to be all over the country before it's over. I, I really I mean, feel it's that great. Way. It's a it's a good product. Um, I love I, the I, white queso. I was going to say, they have a few varieties. He has, like, I guess his original. He has a spicy version. And he has, like, a white one. Personally, I love the original, but none the of them too. are bad. I no. like the white. I like the spicy. I like all of them. But I if I had to pick one, I love the original. I think he's working on some spices as well, oh, maybe. Sure. And maybe a few other products and versions of stuff. So yeah, it's um, I, I'm really anxious to see how his future goes. I'm He's going to explode when he does. He's, uh, he's I think it, it's, it's starting to get out there. I don't know if it's... Just a local Memphis thing, but I hope it's you know I've seen it, I've seen it on Facebook a lot lately of people that are not necessarily in Memphis starting to talk about it. So I hope that it's the word is spreading. They're comparing it to another dip that used to be local to here. I don't ponchos. Yeah, ponchos. I I personally I think it's better. That's just my opinion. I'm not discrediting ponchos at all. I'm not saying it's bad. It's not. But I, I personally like I his better. I do miss better. Poncho's restaurant. Their restaurant, yeah, for sure. Um, Mexican cheese. But I do, I do feel like his his cheese dip, it, I could see where they're comparing it, but it, it's different. Oh, it's way different. It, yeah, it's bolder. different. It's got a better flavor. Sticks yeah. with you, and it's dippable. Don't break your chip. True. Poncho's is super thick lately. But. So... I mean, it happens. And our last guests were Susie and Todd Bullock hey, from hey. hey, Grill Hey, and what awesome guests they were. Yeah, I mean, I'll be honest. I had I had never met Susie and Todd. I know that you have met them at some events um, that I wasn't at, I guess, since we had the baby. I don't get to go to every event, but I know you had talked to them several times, and oh, I knew she, who they were. I just had never met them in person. Well, they've had... Both, I mean, has had Susie's had an incredible career in barbecue so far, and yeah. she's just really getting started. 
you know, and uh, her blog is wonderful and one of the best blogs you can read in barbecue, in yeah. my opinion. Uh, I know she's got voted best uh, website blog the last couple of years by a couple different accredited people. Um, and, um, I mean, her content is unbelievable. Great content. Um, she's definitely, um, and her products are, are great too. So I look uh, to see a lot from Todd and Susie in the near future as far as, uh, as seeing their products out there more and more and more. I know they've been working very hard, and uh, if anyone deserves it, they do, for sure. Yeah. You know, and that's all the guests we had on was about 12 episodes this uh, this season. And so talking about that, we wanted to kind of start some stuff new and go into like a mailbag segment of what some questions some readers sent in. We posted on social media of what questions people would like answered from me. And so we just kind of pulled from some of them and we're going to start doing this kind of weekly in our podcast and even little clips sometimes of answering the questions people want to know. So I want you to ask me the question and I'm going to try to answer it the best of my ability. So I tried to narrow it down. I didn't, I didn't put every question on here. So, um, one of the questions you got was from Ryan on Twitter. Um, I feel like Jimmy Fallon. <laughs> uh, what are your thoughts on mayonnaise as a binder? Well, you know I like mayonnaise as a binder. I feel I mean, like mayonnaise it. even not as a binder. <laughs> I do. And so I do have a mayonnaise addiction, I guess, is the better way to put it. Everybody talks. I, get, I, th- I think me and Rochelle are on the same wavelength but i don't let it be known you like ketchup just as much i like ketchup too i'm a mayonnaise and ketchup person i do i'm a dipper but i like chick-fil-a sauce too so but mayo is still on a different level i probably do eat more mayo i even eat mayo on breakfast sandwiches and everything else but yes mayo is a binder most definitely 100 percent, especially on beef chicken it don't matter pork use it all right all right, the next question was from David C. on Twitter. Um, he says, I use a Weber kettle to smoke St. Louis ribs indirect. I never wrap them. I've always gotten excellent results. Do you ever smoke ribs without wrapping? Of course. I've done it uh, several times. I think there's a couple videos where I've done it on the Traeger. Uh, I haven't done it on a Weber. I honestly need to buy a Weber Smoky Mountain Bullet. He's using a heat deflector, if I'd imagine, a water pan. And so I'm sure it's putting off a great, great product. Just like we used to cook a rib on a backwoods, yeah. you know, with no wrap. So I'm sure it's wonderful. And, yes, I have cooked it with no wrap. All right. The next one is from Tim on Twitter. He asked, what wood do you use for red meats, poultry, and fish? Or do you use one wood for all? Well, I do a lot of times like a lighter wood for fish, like apple or, you know, peat sometimes. Uh, but you can never go wrong. I've used some mesquite wood with some fish, but I'm more hickory and oak or cherry with beef and pork and all that, especially probably more hickory, more traditional. And I don't think you can go wrong using hickory wood even for fish, especially after you burn down the coals good. All right. The next one is from Bill Cook on Facebook. He just said, do you have any advice for new creators? 
I guess he means, you know. I think any advice I have for creators is just be yourself. I think too many people are, are, well, I say this, there's some people are doing really good with scripted content. I guess it depends on what you want to do. But one thing is on social media, just do what you want to do. Don't pay attention to the comments, what people say. Just have a good time. If I worried about every comment of every, excuse me, if I worried about every negative comment that I got, then it would discourage me of doing what I want to do. But at the end of the day, those people are just want to be fans and they don't, I feel bad for them. They don't know how to express their self. So just go out and be yourself and do it. The next question is from somebody on YouTube. Um, green square four four nine nine on youtube uh what is your go-to for barbecue and sides if you're hosting a group of friends and they like anything that you make no restrictions you probably already know the answer to this i'm going with classic barbecue baked beans you know i like hamburger meat and bacon and baked beans yes and anytime i get a chance me or your father for the holiday for somebody to make the baked beans. We both want to do it because we both like cooking beans slow and slow and and I really like a good baked bean. I do like a good coleslaw, and I've gotten where I experiment with coleslaws a lot, but if I got a chance, I'm always going to make baked beans. That's kind of my go-to side Yeah, for a classic barbecue dish. Yeah. All right, next one is from RJ on Twitter. What temperature do you cook competition chicken to, and how do you achieve bite-through skin? All right, I have to do a video on competition chicken legs coming up. I've had too many people ask me. At one point, Malcolm wanted me to come do a video with him on competition chicken. I do chicken legs, and as you know, I take my chicken legs, kind of grab them with a paper towel, stretch the skin down, and I jacquard the skin, right? Do you jacquard it or do I? Well, it kind of depends on if you're around or I'm around. (laughs) And so, and then I trim off any excess skin, leave a little bit on, and put it in a pan of butter and cook it. And I never flip it over and I never cover the pan, just as you card. And the way I cook it, 275, keep rotating the pans. I take it up to 192 degrees is where I take chicken to. And I've never had a problem. And as you know, I've got a lot of calls in chicken uh, when I've cooked. So 192 is my magic number on chicken legs. But that could be different. Depending on everything, I guess. Oh, there's no doubt. I, you know, I push uh, chicken thighs up to 197 sometimes. 198 I have. We don't do all that anymore. No, I don't scrape no chicken thighs <laughs> anymore. Uh, next question. What or who inspired you to start barbecuing and smoking? You know, I kind of got, got into it um, helping uh, one of my best friends at the time. He's passed on now. Um uh, Ben King, I graduated with him, and uh, his uncle, Don Moody, got me started. He had a KCBS team, and he kind of lived down the hill from Ben, and and he was a divorced man at the time, you know, in his 40s, and we were 18, and we thought it'd be cool to hang out with Don and drink some cold beer and go cook some barbecue and hang out, you know. He was a cool uncle. And so as we got into it, we got to cooking, and I remember the third or fourth cook, Don had to go somewhere, and he loaned us his grill, and course we had too many of them them gold tops and silver bullets and all that good stuff back then and, and had a good time and when he come back he said look y'all boys need to build your own grill if y'all gonna keep doing this and so I kind of built my own grill and started from there and uh, been doing it since I was 18 so uh yeah crazy 
Um, next question. Did you think your sauces and rubs were going to be as successful as they are today when you first decided to start selling them? No, I did not. We were talking about this the other day. Yeah. You and um, I. I no, and I still don't feel like that we're just, you know, I'm just a normal guy. It's not a, yeah, we sell a few barbecue products, but we're not a Sweet Baby Ray's, you know, or anything like that. Sweet Baby Raises all over the world. They have a bottling line that runs 24 hours a day, 348 days a year or whatever it is. Yeah. Only shut down once a quarter. I can't remember, something like that, six days a year. But they sell barbecue sauce. Ken's Foods does. I mean, of course, they bought Sweet Baby Rays. But, I mean, saying that, no, I did not think we'd be nowhere near as where we are today. And we're very fortunate, very blessed, very lucky. Uh, next question. Do you always inject your ribs? Do I always inject my ribs? No, I do not. I rarely inject my ribs. Um, if I'm cooking KCBS contests, sometimes I tend to inject my St. Louis spare ribs. But on baby backs, I never inject them. You know, sometimes I do brine them. Uh, but most of the time I just take them out of the packs, get the membrane off and, and roll on, put rub on them and go. So it's kind of probably, uh, I'm going to say a 90-10 rule. Kind of depends on what I'm uh, doing and what the ribs look like as far as marbling and all that goes. And KCBS, but the MBN and cooking baby backs and all that, no, never. I feel like I've only ever seen you do that maybe a handful of times. Yeah. Not a lot. Um, next question, what was the biggest thing you had to overcome in the barbecue competition world? Um, I don't think I've overcome it because I think no one truly ever overcomes it, and that is learning the tenderness game. The weather factors in so much with everything dropping between the pressures, uh, between wind, between the fuel in your cooker, between the – you don't know how the life expectancy was of that meat or that animal – and so uh, a lot of factors go in, and I think you can be very consistent, uh, but you can't win 100% of the time. There's no way. Uh, so o understanding uh, time and temperature and, and cooking to, to feel and look, that's something nobody can teach you that feel. Yeah. And so it's very hard. That's the biggest obstacle, probably obstacle, to overcome is feel. And you know how hard it is, even in ribs. You'll still grab me sometimes, and you're a hell of a rib cook. You've won one contest on your own, but you'll second-guess yourself sometimes. And, you know, I'll go, eh, not nah, leave it on there another five minutes. And um, it just every rib is different. We all yeah. know that. So I'd say that definitely the feel. If there's one thing you could pass down to new and coming teams, what would it be? This is the last question, by the way. Uh, if I could pass something down to new teams, what would it be? I'm going to say is to be patient. And it takes a lot of practice to really get good. And you really need to go out and take somebody's class nowadays and cut your learning curve down. I agree that you should take somebody's class, but I also always suggest, me personally, you should take the judging class, whether it's KCBS or MBN, whatever you're trying to cook, or maybe it's both, because then you're taught what the judges are looking for. And until you understand what a judge is judging you on, you can't properly cook that piece of meat until you understand what they're trained to look for. 
But I would go cook three or four contests probably oh, yeah. before I went to that. Yeah, because you I need mean, to, you should do both. You need to understand the cooking class element of it before you yeah. go judge because True. I guess you could do it the other way. Go do the judge first. Either or. Two totally different worlds. Yeah. So I would say just putting forth in the effort. It takes a lot of practice, um, you know, practice. Well, practice, and practice. something that comes to mind that, that actually came up with, we were talking about Shane, and I know Shane texted you and I not long ago. Um he did better in a contest than he's done in a while. And he said it was something that he learned on the podcast with us. And I think the one piece of advice that we gave him that he really took to heart that he learned from, and it was something you said, and it was basically like something to the effect of how does that meat taste? It, the meat cold. has to taste good cold because you're judging it. When you taste that meat, it's warm. It's off the cooker. You know, you're thinking of it this way. But by the time it gets to the judge, they have opened the box. They get it on their little mat or whatever. I mean, it's, I'm going to say 99% of the time it's not hot or warm anymore. Have I judged meat that's still warm? Yes. Not a lot. It's usually room chicken, temperature chicken to cold. So that's something that Shane said he really took to heart that really helped him. And, and I, I agree with that. I mean, you need to base what you're producing off of that. Well, you almost have to overcook it to let it tighten back up to be just dead on the money. Because if you cook it to dead on the money, then it's going to tighten up and not be perfect. Yeah. And it, I think that's where a lot of people are scared. you got to go for that more of a melted butter feel sometimes than you do the soft butter. It's hard to differentiate between the two, but yeah. – Sometimes you just got to follow your heart. And uh, I don't know, I followed my heart a lot, 75 times. Well, and something else that you and I have talked about when you when it comes to to trying to, to figure out what you might be doing wrong. I mean, every contest is different. You're going to have different judges at every contest. But don't just, because you didn't do good at one contest, you can't change your complete profile You've got to tweak little things along the way to figure out what it is you're doing wrong. You can't just say, okay, well, I did this, so next week I'm just going to completely change everything because then you're not ever going to figure out what specifically it is you're doing wrong. Well, you know, the one thing they don't teach in judging class and the one thing they really don't teach the teams is how to read the score sheet. That's true. We get calls all the time, both of us. I mean, you more than me, of course, but – both of us get questions on how, what does this mean? Well, we have so many close friends that are call and go, I had perfect, it was the best I'd ever cooked. And I'm going, well, was it tight? Yeah. And the taste was on the money. I said, send me a picture of the score sheet. They'll send me a picture of the score sheet. And I said, yeah, the judges really liked the taste, but they did not like your tenderness and they did not like your yeah. appearance score at all. And, you know, tenderness and taste are the two heaviest weights. Yeah. And so if it's not tender, even though it's got a good taste, you're going to get that eight, that nine that's going to boot you out or whatever, you know, seven. And so six, it just depends on how tight it had gotten. So, you know, we could stay on and on and on about this, about the tenderness game and winning contests. But, uh, you know, hey, season one's a wrap on the podcast. (laughs) Hope everybody enjoyed it so far. We're going to come back next year, season two, with. It'll be this year. Yeah, it'll be this year. It'll be in a couple weeks, you know. We'll let loose. Uh, And so we're going to invest in a few more items, you know, for the podcast to make it a little better. 
a uh, little more equipment. Um, you know, we're in the process of building a new kind of filming kitchen and all that. Uh, new podcast studio, new podcast too, studio, and all that. Get us a little more room in here. Uh, and so we're kind of in a little cramped space. I know a lot of people can't see it. And um, so really looking forward to just growing and uh, interviewing and hanging out with uh, interesting people and uh, and even doing more one-on-one podcasts and talking about food in, in general. So uh, hope to see everybody around for season two. Appreciate you tuning in. We'll see you all next time. Thank you for tuning in to the Shooting the Cue podcast. If you have any comments or suggestions for future episodes, please feel free to reach out to us on our social media channels or through our website. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast on your favorite platform. Leave us a review if you enjoyed the show. Until next time, keep shooting the cue.